What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. It's gonna be a football game tonight now, no doubt. It's gonna be a football game here. Okay. I, I don't been here before. All right, let's go, baby. Let's get beside the game. Fourth and goal. Uh-oh. And they're gonna snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Touchdown! Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Ladies and gentlemen, football to the max! Here are your hosts, Sean Garmer. Gary Vaughn, and Eric Watkins. Hello and welcome to the first football to the max of the actual regular season. We're not previewing stuff. We're talking about real games that actually happen. I'm your host, Sean Garmer, and here with me, of course, Mr. Eric Watkins. Oh, today, football is back, but boy, it was a weird, it back in a weird way. Yeah, certainly. We had there's plenty to talk about here. I'm coming from the wet and dreary weather of Miami that had a big time effect on the uh, Miami Dolphins Tennessee Titans game that we'll talk about. And surprisingly for Eric in Jacksonville, it was not so wet. No, humid but dry. When's it not humid in Florida, let me tell you? Uh, we get times in, I don't know, maybe a month or two in... Okay, it's about five, six weeks in winter. We get a break. We get winter? What we up here do, you guys, it's a completely different animal. You've never yeah. had to deal with freeze warnings. Nope. I mean, I haven't... When I live in Texas, obviously, that's just... Uh crazy smorgasbord of weather over there but Miami it's like if it gets to 50 degrees people start freaking out here I'm like okay you guys have need to get out somewhere besides <laughs> Miami but yeah let's uh 
we're 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 coming from you. We're coming to you on Sunday nights now. So, um, you know, we're going off of watching Red Zone, watching games that have been on. Uh, I kind of got blessed in disguise that I didn't get to watch the Cowboys game in full because I would have been a lot more angry than I am right now. Of course, I've had three hours to process it as well of being angry, but still sort of ticked off at, at the whole thing. I'll, I'll get into that as well. But, yeah, <laughs> just, you know, there's uh, there's quite a lot to talk about. We won't, but we're doing it on Sunday just because, you know, we're both off. Normally, I used to not have Sundays off, and we won't have a game pass this year. So we're we're trying to kind of be more current about stuff, but we won't be like so in depth. We didn't watch every freaking second of everything, but we try to pay attention as, as much as we can. Uh, all things considered, with uh, you know it being Sunday and doing things with family and whatnot. But still, like I said, week one, everybody's been hyped. And lots of things lived up to that hype, and lots of uh, new faces and new places, debuts, but let's let's get into the craziness that was Sunday Night Football that just ended. Aaron Rodgers goes out on a cart. You're thinking, oh God, repeat of last year, he's down again, Deshaun Kaiser comes in, he actually plays fine. For like the first drive. And then. The Khalil Mack show. Starts happening. Interception return for a touchdown. All that. Second half. Or the the first half ends. You're thinking oh my god. The Bears are going to steamroll this. What a Sunday night football game we just watched. You know Aaron Rodgers. Miraculously comes back on the field. And he pulls an Aaron Rodgers. And winds up leading them to a comeback victory. The Bears get a shot at it. They actually get two shots because they should have gone out on the fourth down initially, but Clay Matthews hits Trubisky in the head way after he shouldn't have even tried to hit him. And they get another set of downs, and they still can't get anywhere near to try to go kick a field goal. What a moment. What did you think of this game? Just just crazy stuff happening here. Okay. One thing I want to address about the Bears and their late game strategy. You had your largest halftime lead ever at Lambeau. Ever. You had your what? Law first time that you've led the Bears by double or led the Packers by double digits in several years. Right. When the you have Aaron Rodgers pulling an Aaron Rodgers going out on a leg and a half and throwing bombs, you get the ball back knowing what's happening. Why do you insist on passing every single down? You had, at the very least, moderate success with the run. You're trying to bleed clock. And even after the Clay Matthews hit that gives you a first down, you've got two timeouts. You only need a field goal. Take some time and run the ball. But no, 
every single down, throw, throw, throw. Ugh. I was, ugh. Yeah, it didn't make much sense to me either. You have timeouts, for one. It's like, run the ball a few times, see if you get any yards, see if somebody breaks a tackle. Things can happen, right? Like, you're making it too obvious what you're trying to do. They were acting like they were behind a touchdown or Mm -hmm. more instead of, oh, we only need to get close enough to get a field goal. Throw that down to inexperience from both the coach and the quarterback. Or perhaps uh, some of the pressure is getting to them because they're feeling like they've choked this entire lead away or whatever it is. A combination of both. But yeah, I just I can't understand the whole we're going to go super one dimensional when you have time on the clock. You, and then even after you got a set of free, you know, basically got given four downs, you're still not going to do that. Yeah, it just, it seemed like they were destined to go ahead and just choke the rest of the game away. And it's sad considering that, you know, the the Bears defense had done so well. Akeem Hicks had played his, his ass off just completely being a terror at the nose tackle, Khalil Mack. Um, oh, why can't I think of the rookie's name right now? Roquan Smith. Yeah, Roquan Smith. His first tackle was a sack. I mean, you had it made to have a heck of a story, and then Khalil Mack's probably thinking, "Well, I experienced this a lot." Mm. <laughs> so, no, but honestly, it's just look. Sometimes when you got a guy like. Aaron Rodgers, you gotta. Your best bet is to keep him off the field, and you did everything to allow them to take the lead. And then instead of just doing your thing, keep doing what you've been doing that got you there. You start panicking. And yep. I felt like that's what Chicago started getting too much of. They started panicking. Because there's sometimes where just it doesn't matter how many guys you throw at Aaron Rodgers, even if he's limping around, he's going to find a way. And let's be honest, Randall Cobb, heck of a run on that last touchdown, too. I mean, he broke something that should have been a tackle into a whole long touchdown. Heck of a comeback from the whole Packers team to to just rally around Rodgers and, and play better once he got in. Yeah, you had Adams with a couple of big catches and runs. The catch and run by Cobb weaving through the defense. You had uh, Allison. Yeah, Allison caught a couple of big mm-hmm. throws. Uh, Which I wasn't expecting. Montgomery. Uh-huh. Yeah, just, they, they all played a part. All the receivers suddenly came to life when Rodgers was in there. Finding him again, not that Kaiser played terrible. He played okay, just felt like the line the line suddenly felt like, oh, we've really, really gotta block because if somebody hits Aaron in the wrong spot, he could go down for sure. So I uh, are you a little worried though that you know I mean he said he's he'll play next week and all that, but he said something in the knee was bothering him, that same knee that he went down with last for a lot of last year that it's not 
totally healed and that easily in the first game got tweaked again. Is that a concern? I would say it's a big concern and not just because this is Aaron Rodgers, but when something in your knee is bothering you at 35, it's not going to heal as quickly. You just gave him a huge deal. He's one of the latest million, a hundred million dollar men. And you now, because of Aaron Rodgers and everything, through some sort of front office wisdom, you traded in and you got Deshaun Kaiser. Yes, this was against Khalil Mack and that Bears defense. But there's still that history of just him not being ready, not being capable. So if something goes wrong, if Aaron Rodgers is out any considerable amount of time, this is now the third season where you've had to deal with something like this. You haven't handled it well in the past. You're looking like you're not really shaped to handle this well now. I would be worried as a Packers fan. Yeah, might want to start lining up who you can go find to perhaps back up Deshaun Kaiser and take his role if you you definitely need to do that. But yeah, I think you got to give the the Packers a ton of credit for coming from behind in that game, getting 21 points in that fourth quarter, which is ridiculous after everything that the, the Bears did to be up 17, nothing mm-hmm. at the half. They absolutely just upped the tempo, and they took the blitz away. They took the lineman being able to rush Aaron Rodgers, and sometimes it takes that, that brain of an experienced quarterback to know, like Rodgers, like McCarthy, to, to be able to trust your quarterback to do that. And uh, you you know what you're supposed to do. I, I love the fact that Rodgers also was like, well, I had to come back in. We're playing the Bears. <laughs> but, yes. So, look, uh, I would say Trubisky looked better, though. A lot better with uh, Nagy as his coach than the John Fox. So, so far... The year one to year two improvement for Trubisky is noticeable. Big time. And this is where they've done a lot of work in the offseason. You've got a former quarterback who is now your head coach calling the plays. He really felt comfortable opening up the offensive playbook for Trubisky, and it showed. So now we're going to see more and more of what he can provide. It's flashes of greatness but overall i think okay you can see why they wanted to get him based upon the talents that he's showing his ceiling isn't that high but again you're one to year two great yeah certainly and I, that this starts our whole series of new faces and new places or young quarterbacks uh, we'll get into that as we go through the games, but let's talk about perhaps aside from this game, which this probably wound up being the best game of the day, but aside from Sunday Night Football, who would have thought that you're looking at the Saints and Buccaneers playing 
And they're going to put up 88 points between both of them. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to outdo Drew Brees. Hashtag fear the beard. Fear the beard. Fitzmagic. He himself went on a press conference and was like, Fitzmagic is back. (laughs) I mean, that takes some... Take some gall there, but we we know that uh, he is not one to mince words. Like, why not, right? Like, you've only got a couple more games to play. I mean, if he plays like this in two more games, I don't know. His name is Jameis Winston. you got to worry about it. But Yeah, Dirk Cutter has still not decided on a week four starter. He's well, you playing can't for really. Five. Well, considering how the organization is treating Jameis Winston, you can. But, again, he's playing this as it lies, knowing that he's out for himself and trying to keep his job. So far, Ryan Fitzpatrick is looking like a solid choice. It's saying, hey, I know you want this up top. This is what I've got. Yeah, I mean, let's be fair, though. If... The Bucks play like this or get wins against the Eagles, the Steelers. I don't know that you can take Fitzpatrick out, especially no. if he's the reason that you win. Then one of or both games coming up, you you got two really tough teams that you're playing. Not to mention you just played a divisional opponent, won a division game to start off the season, and oh. hung with one of the best offenses in the league. Mhm. So I mean, right now that's a that's a one for for uh, Fitzpatrick, but I think a lot. You know, we talked about it as well. A lot was made about okay, Drew Brees. He's up there in age. Can he still go out there and and do this? He he went out there and put a heck of a line out there. 37 to 45, 139 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I don't think you could have asked more from the guy. No. He, he had a Drew Brees type game. What we've seen for about a decade or so in New Orleans, Alvin Kamar really stepped up being, the solo guy in the backfield, at least for now. But again, Bucks defense creating like turnovers, turning them into scores. Ryan Fitzpatrick, five total touchdowns. Like you're in the highest scoring season opener in the Super Bowl era. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, it was the Saints did everything they could to make it close. Uh, as well, you know, they were within eight with about three minutes left. I just, I think uh, also you mentioned the Tampa Bay defense. A lot was made about the Saints defense. They don't look any different <laughs> right no. now. They're giving up everything. Nope. I mean, just not great coverage for their secondary. Somewhat decent against the run. It was just like. Wow. Be prepared for a lot of track meets if that doesn't get shored up soon. Yeah, and this is the one thing that I think we talked about the Saints seem to avoid because even though, yes, we saw Drew Brees do this, right? He could probably 
keep doing it. It's just it's not great for the Saints as in although you have the talent, you don't want to get in shootouts every week with every team. You want to be no. able to know that say somebody has a bad game, you'll be all right because your defense will have your back. Yeah, and the, the fact that you've seen this before, even when Drew Brees first got there, great. He can throw for 5,000 yards. You can have an insanely prolific offense. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. But what does that mean if you're a 500 team? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, and they're already showing that. I think certainly maybe a little bit of an us we got to try to not overreact from a one week. Obviously, this is just week one. So much mm. is going to happen in the next, you know, 16 weeks of the season that you got left. Just, but it, it's hard to say, man. Maybe uh, this Bucks defense is a little bit tougher and, and better than uh, we thought. But again... This was made easier for this defense because of the way that the Saints are so offensive-oriented. Michael Thomas didn't help himself by getting the ball knocked out of his hands. Uh, You know, so let's see what happens when Tampa Bay plays a much less, like, we're going to throw it all the time offense. We know what they're going to do here. I would have liked to see what would happen if, you know, Mark Ingram was was here because they had it felt like they had to pass a lot more because they didn't want to run the tires off Kamara. True. And once they get that dual-headed monster back in the backfield, I think things are going to settle down and you're going to see a more balanced offense. But uh, – you now see what tweaks have to be made in New Orleans. Not an overhaul, which is good, but there's a lot of tweaks. Yeah, we questioned about if they had anybody besides Lattimore that you could count on as a defender. Right now, that doesn't look to be the case. Uh, and even with Lattimore, because Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson combined for close to 300 yards between them. Uh, and like three touchdowns, so not a great day if you're a Saints defender uh, at all. Uh, one of the other uh, big storylines of this this whole week, though, is, of course, Le'Veon Bell. Who's right, who's wrong in this situation? What... The Steelers offensive lineman had to come out and say about Le'Veon Bell was not great in the slightest. Lots of players came out defending Le'Veon Bell, which you would expect. And the whole thought process was, okay, we're going to ride James Conner. He's going to come out here and he's either going to have a big game 
where he's not going to do that great. And he had himself a big game. He had 135 yards, two touchdowns. So on that front, James Conner went out there and performed. The thing is, you wind up in a tie, 21-21, with the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> who snapped their losing streak. Eric, they're still winless, though. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they snapped the losing streak, and a lot of that has to go on Big Ben. Four interceptions in this game. And the, not just the four interceptions, but I pay, paid even more attention as the game got into overtime. And with about three and a half, four minutes left in the overtime, I actually just messaged everybody in our group chat. Okay, if the Steelers and Browns end up in a tie, then what? Because between the missed field goals... The just weird play calling. I was like, nobody really wants to win this game. Mm-hmm. And even the announcer said, well, should the Browns play for a tie? And I would be like, yes. <laughs> Go home. Just I know that was a joke afterwards. And it's like, you know, they didn't want to tie. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on. No, I definitely... It was such a back-and-forth deal. Like It's just every time you thought, okay, this might be the time the Steelers pull away, oh, the Browns defense makes another big play. They forced six turnovers on the day. I mean, that Browns defense came to play, as many people thought they would. And Josh Gordon had that heck of a catch from Tyrod Taylor that set everything up to go to overtime. But it's just kind of disheartening like when your linebacker goes and runs all the way down the field after yep. picking up a interception and then the kick gets blocked that would have won the game. It's not the kicker's fault. No. But it's just like so Cleveland. Like, oh, man. And And all of that when you're trying to cap a comeback where you were down 21 Mm seven, that's just the epitome of Cleveland sports in just one half of football. So what did you think of, uh, obviously, you know, Tyrod, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor. Apparently he doesn't have a problem with you calling him Tyrod. It's just apparently his official pronunciation of his name is Tarod, so... Well, I, I mean, mean that It's something that he's heard for years, all throughout his time, Virginia Tech, Baltimore, Buffalo, and now Cleveland, so he gets that it's kind of stuck, and it's a habit, but as far But he as never the, said anything, though. It's like, if someone is pronouncing your name wrong, wouldn't you tell someone, like... In a heartbeat. Hey. Right? <laughs> That's just so weird, like... He's that humble. He doesn't care. But <laughs> honest, I thought uh, Taylor played decently. You know, I, I think he would have liked to see more from him as far as connecting earlier in the game. I, when it counted, he was he was there uh, in the fourth quarter and overtime. I don't, I don't know. That felt like it wasn't totally on on him though. They were there were some just weird play calls on both ends. 
There, there really were. Not to mention, he still had an issue and aggravated with that injury on his hand. Mm. So I think that also had a bit to do with it. But he's just gotten a lot better. I mean, more already had good accuracy. That's even improved. Got a lot more touch on his passes. That helped the deep balls. It's now we can't say miles ahead of Buffalo, but there's some big steps. And I think, yeah, Cleveland did the right thing to bring him in. And it kind of sucks that he's really only going to be in for this season because you want to give him a year, maybe a longer than a year, maybe two. But unfortunately, that's not part of the grand scheme. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, you have Baker Mayfield there waiting in the wings. And it's good that he has that ability to at least stand back there and, and learn. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you don't always want to throw them out there from the word go. Not everybody's Carson Wentz. A lot of folks. Uh, and that's the thing. Even even Dak, who we'll talk about, like he had a great rookie year. And then after that, it's you would go, is this the same player? You know, mm-hmm. but that's the thing. I think the Cleveland's doing it the right way. But do you think that James Conner playing well will have any kind of effect on how they feel about Le'Veon Bell? Obviously, Mike Tomlin is doing the right thing and saying, look, okay, we're done talking about Le'Veon Bell. He's not here. And until mm-hmm. he is, we're not talking about him. But do you do you think that if James Conner keeps putting up these numbers – it lets the Steelers say, well, we're definitely not paying you. Yeah, because as is, the Steelers are already saving 856 grand. And even when he does sign and come back, there's a two-week roster exemption to where they don't have to pay him right away. So that right there is $1.7 million in the bank. If they've got a guy in Connor who, with the weather, against a divisional rival first game of the season under all of these conditions go and ball out like that well it's like okay we can give him time to see what he does and then we're just gonna wait a bit if he's putting up you know even 80 90 yards a game getting good touches and maybe on bell decides to wait until week 10 to finally be there they really won't care Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the idea that's been the team is just kind of saying, okay, we're going with James Conner. We have faith in him. And so far, that's come to be the truth. But certainly that could change game to game. Absolutely. I mean, again, for the Steelers, heartbreak, their first tie since they went up against Atlanta, that was 34-34 back in 02. The round's first tie since 89, but you've got a lot to learn from from this. A lot to learn from. Yes, they do. And speaking of the weather, the weather affected that Steelers and Browns game a lot. It was raining. The the field was bad. There, 
there were originally calls, and if you look at weather reports a couple of days prior to the game, you're thinking to yourself, this is going to have to be rescheduled. This is going to have to be moved to a different day. It's like, whatever. So when I saw that they were actually playing on time, I was like, huh. Uh, Because they uh, kept showing the weather pattern, right, of the rain just coming through there, and they were still... They were still playing, however, in another game because it got bad here uh, <laughs> to the to the point where I don't know how the power didn't go out at my apartment because literally I could hear the thunder. It just it felt like it was like right there, <laughs> you know. And I'm sitting there going, "Okay, I got lucky. The power didn't go out, but." That was not the case at Hard Rock Stadium because they had two different lightning delays that delayed the game for two and a half hours each time. So you can imagine Tennessee that's over there going, what the hell? We didn't sign (laughs) up for this. And the Miami Dolphins players that are going, well, we're kind of used to this, but this is ridiculous, you know? So... Uh Yeah, it's it got really cut up from by the uh, by the weather. Even then, it was still a really close game uh, throughout. Eventually, in the fourth quarter, a kickoff return by Jakeem Grant, and then Kenny Stills' big pass catch kind of broke it open. But honestly, I don't I don't know. It was just. It was crazy to think this is the longest game uh, since the the merger. Yeah, all these delays. Yeah, you go from you know the first opening day tie since Miami and Denver at Mile High back in '71 to this, and even with the actual like broadcast, it's like yeah, um. We can only do one camera for a little while, so bear with us. And even at the bottom, something I've never seen, limited coverage due to lightning in area. (laughs) Yeah, in the fourth quarter, they finally just had to say, after the second delay, because there was still lightning in the area too, they finally had to say, look, we got to just play. Yeah. We're too far in to just cancel this thing or postpone it or, or whatever, so... They kind of had to just let them play, but they couldn't put the camera crew in danger. So they just had like a one of those like static cams, and you could yeah, right. sort of see. And it just covered that part of the field. Even then, what did you think of the Dolphins? I mean, Tannehill looked pretty good for, you know, first time he's really see an action here in, in such a long time. Yeah, this is the Tannehill that everybody was expecting under Adam Gase, with the deep throws moving around, really controlling and commanding an offense. And he made up for the fact quickly that Jarvis Landry is gone. So there's some really high hopes. It's It almost feels like, and yes, even though this is only one game, the overwhelming sense I got when I saw that was it's about time. 
it's about time. Yeah, certainly. And uh, what do you know? Frank Gore winds up outgaining his younger uh, running back uh, compatriot there. That dude, it doesn't matter. He's, he's still got it. Getting to come well, back where he came from. Exactly. It's not the Orange Bowl, but he knows the deal. <laughs> so it's like, hey, it's no big thing. Plus, with all of those weather delays, that really opened up the offense in the fourth quarter and even in the special teams because it's like, hey, we just got like, you know, two super long like halftime breaks and everything. Hey, we're good to go. We're not gassed. <laughs> uh, one bad thing out of this is Delaney Walker got injured and might be out for a while. So that's a blow to the Titans, certainly. He's still one of uh, Mariota's favorite targets and a key cog in that offense. So, you know. Yeah, especially even though you have, like, you know, Derrick Henry in the back field you still kind of have to throw and this is where you're starting to see Mariota's ceiling it's like he's doing great within this system but it's not the best for him and then when you take away a dependable big target like that it's like all right now uh huh okay Uh is is that what you felt out of this is obviously he eventually took Mariota out of the game but Mm mm-hmm it just it didn't feel like there was a flow at all to what the Titans were doing. No, it just and, it helps Miami's defense was pretty good as well. But yeah, and that's always what I've felt about Mariota ever since he was drafted out of Oregon. He's great in a certain Chip Kelly like mm-hmm. offensive system. Going into this more you know like West Coast pro style. He can adapt, but there's going to be limitations and complications. And especially when you have the coaching personnel that you have in Tennessee now, that's even going to further those complications. So you're going to have to take what you can get. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just it's just something that I, I can't quite understand this. To me, it's still kind of amazing that Chip Kelly just didn't go to Tennessee to go be there with Mariota and make him the quarterback that he knows he can be. It's just, it was weird because under Mike Malarkey, they kind of worked. And then under this system, it hasn't been the greatest for uh, Mariota so far. But look, it's one game. They still have to work things out or whatnot. He doesn't have the greatest crew of receivers either. No. So they can really, I feel like it's the same thing sort of with Dallas. So you can kind of key in on Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, Mariota can throw it, it's still trying to put the onus on him to beat you. I think is at least proven for this game that it, it works right now. Mm hmm. Yeah. And things to fine tune in, 
maybe at some point down the road get more of an up-tempo offensive coordinator once they get the personnel right. But this whole year is going to be another work in progress. Yeah. Eh. They got time to figure it out, but they have to pick it up quickly or they could see themselves behind in this division, or at least behind the Jags, if anything, uh, <laughs> rather quickly, because the rest of the teams uh, in that division wind up losing. Let's sort of go some rapid fire here with all the common theme of being either quarterbacks coming back from injury, rookies, or sort of quarterbacks in new places. Andrew Luck finally getting back on the field after all that time off and everything. Has a pretty good stat line, but the Bengals' defense winds up playing a huge role, uh, especially with the Clayton Fedulim's uh, 83-yard fumble return for touchdown. And basically the Bengals owning that whole fourth quarter because of Andrew Luck sort of making some errant throws and everything. What did you think of his performance sort of overall? For a guy who hasn't set foot on an NFL field in like five, 600 days, he looked great. For Andrew Luck's standards, he looked good. He's not as far off from his peak as one would initially think. And we're going to see that develop as we get closer towards the end of the season. And as a side note, Cincinnati, you found your new permanent road uniforms. Go with <laughs> it. Just seriously, go with it. Yeah, the white and orange with the black yeah, stripe. Or... Yeah, they're uh, Thursday night football color rush jerseys. Done. You, you have them. You wore them in a regularly more scheduled Sunday game. Keep them. And make an alternative version for home. Done. Yeah, and a positive is all three of the major players on the offensive side for the Bengals, they all got a touchdown. So they all played key parts in getting to win. But again, the still got some growing pains and some some rust to wear off on Andrew Luck. Uh, He looked good, especially on that pass to Eric Ebron, uh, who got to christen his going to a new team with a touchdown. But, yeah, I I think as time goes on, you got to remember the the Colts line is still sort of growing with all the new additions and sort of gelling with each other. That Bengals D-line was the absolute line you did not want to see on your first game. And it certainly showed. So, for the most part. Yeah, at least aside from the one hit he took early to the helmet, which was needless, and I'm thankful that resulted in an ejection. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was nasty. Yeah, he didn't get roughed up too bad outside of that, which is good. That's what you want in these situations. And now that he's absorbed some hits... I think that's going to help his growth as the season progresses. Yeah, I don't know how anybody can say that it's not 
an ejection. He didn't even need to come get him. He was already getting tackled down. Yeah. He bent down, got low to the ground, and even in slow motion, you can see Andrew Luck's head move about 18 inches. Bam. Mm. I'm, the refs made the right call. For all the adjustments in the preseason and everything like this, yeah, the refs have got to the point to where they're getting it right. Yeah, I would definitely say, though, Thursday night is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, We're not going to spend too much time on this because the Ravens absolutely spanked the Bills. As you would expect, um, probably any team to play the the Bills this season is going to spank them. (laughs) They're bad. Uh, I don't know what kind of offense they're putting on the field, but... They got three points. That's yeah. a win. <laughs> and, and their defense was letting... The the Red Sea was already parting by the time Joe Flacco threw that first touchdown. Everything else is just going through. All three of the new addition receivers got touchdowns. I mean, it, it was nice. Alice Collins was having a big day. Just the Ravens just balled out. And that's why I say from what we saw from the Bengals against Andrew Luck and the Colts. And what we saw with the Ravens against the bills Thursday night is going to be either really fun or just one of those grinded out AFC North games, but it could really put one of those two teams in a, in a nice pole position going forward. Whoever gets to win that. If there's a win, maybe we have another tie. You know, which I wouldn't necessarily object to. You know, maybe a sixteen-sixteen, something like that. Could you imagine two ties in the same division with divisional opponents both times? <laughs> that's kind of crazy. I wonder if that's ever happened. That'd be I'd interesting. Have to, to... I'd have to dig through the records. I know that there's been like two divisional teams when they play each other twice and there's been two ties, but it's been a few decades. Well, one of the big matchups of quarterbacks was Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo going at it. Kirk Cousins certainly had the better stat line and his team played much better because he has that heck of a Vikings defense right behind him forcing Jimmy Garoppolo to throw three interceptions on the day. He is winning streak ends with the first game of this season. I mean, I don't think he could have really asked for Kirk Cousins to do more than he did. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what Case Keenum got the benefit of last year. That defense just went out there and mauled, baby. Yeah. They went and they made Kirk Cousins, and especially he got Dalvin Cook back, so they're paying him, you know, $84 million to go ahead, manage the game. Because, yeah, he made a couple of good throws, but that's mainly what he did. Hey, don't screw up. He didn't screw up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't screw up. Jimmy Garoppolo did screw up. You got to worry about Marquise Goodwin. He went down. Uh, didn't look good. Might have a concussion. He has a history of those. Mm-hmm. I think they were 
certainly missing a Jarek McKinnon here because he would have had the extra uh, sort of a revenge factor on wanting to take it to his old team. But yeah, I just, I wondered if Jimmy Garoppolo was trying to do a little bit too much sometimes too. Well, considering as how the offense and everything is tailored around him, and that's kind of his thing going with the Kyle Shanahan, you expect for him to do a little bit more. Combine that with the chip on his shoulder after everything that happened in New England. Yeah, his winning streak to start his career wasn't as great as Ben Roethlisberger's, but it was a lot more than Ed Robert in this is really what you expect. <laughs> well, he has another NFC North opponent next week with the Lions, who we'll get to see on Monday night. We won't really talk about those games until... I don't know yet if we're going to do a Tuesday night show or just leave it to Thursday. I don't know. We'll talk about that. But definitely won't be doing anything on Monday night, so we'll just kick back, watch those, and just get to, you know... If we go to bed before the end of the Raiders and whatever, the Rams game, then it is what it is. That's <laughs> kind of late. But, yes, right now the Vikings sitting pretty, looking good, and waiting to, to go play the Packers and perhaps sit atop that division comfortably. But we'll get there when we get there for that one. A lot was made of the Texans going in to Foxborough and play New England. Especially after the ways Deshaun Watson played the first time around. This time, though, coming back from the injury, not so hot. Just one passing touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was kind of covered well. He threw an interception. He was making some really bad throws, especially in the first half. He kind of calmed down in the second, but did you see anything there? I mean, he looked human. He really looked human, and I think the Patriots definitely game plan and learned a lot from what happened when the last the last time these two teams and met and. Watson came in, so very good preparation on their part. And on the other side of the coin, Tom Brady and this Patriots offense pretty much proved everybody right. Gronk is the best receiver they've got. Outside of him, they're kind of screwed. Well, I mean, the Patriots still like the Patriots, though. Well, James White. Still catching passes. Philip Dorsett, who's been one of the ones that's been there for a while, got a touchdown. I think, for the most part, you're right in that Gronk is the the man. But that's kind of always been the way, is Gronk is the dude. And he's made, Brady's made whoever it is better. And I felt like we kind of got the same thing here. We did, but I'm also making a note that this only ended. Even with as bad as they made Deshaun Watson look, this ended as a one-score game. A lot of other teams are going to take note of that. I agree with you. 
Houston also tended to score sort of late in the quarters as well. They weren't. Mm-hmm. It took them a while to finally kind of shed the Patriots defense. But, yeah, I, I think people were expecting a lot more as far as the defense kind of getting up in Brady's face and making it a bigger deal. And you didn't really get that that much. The, the Like you said, game planned against him. It helped a lot the last time. They didn't have a lot of tape on Watson when mm-hmm. they were playing. This time you've had a whole however many games it was that you played before you got hurt and then you've been able to scheme the way for the way Houston is going to play with him. So to expect them to play the same or to have Watson look just as good, I think is difficult. Oh yeah. And I mean, Patriots keep doing the Patriots and they keep winning. And Alex Smith keeps doing his thing. He goes to a new team. No big deal. Still Alex Smith. So goes out there throwing touchdowns. Absolutely making the Arizona defense look bad. Adrian Peterson almost has 100 yards receiving and rushing. Told you Uh, he had some left in the tank. Turning back that clock. Turning back that clock is Adrian Peterson. David Johnson signed an extension right before the that game day mornings and all those start hitting. I think it was like at 4 or 5 a.m. They signed the deal, and he got what, like a three-year extension for what, like $30 million? Three, well, $30 million I think guaranteed, but the extension was, I believe, three thirty-nine. Right. It could go up to forty-five. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, he got a touchdown late. That was sort of the one thing that kept the Cardinals from getting shut out, but it was all Redskins. Chris Thompson looked good. Jordan Reed had his one of his best games. Uh, you've seen from him in a while, James Crowder looked good. Alex Smith was doing his thing. He was running. When he wasn't running, he was passing. And sometimes he was passing the short passes. Sometimes he was doing the intermediate stuff. So far, Jay Gruden making it work with Alex Smith. Yeah, another former quarterback who knows how to work with quarterbacks. Plus, Alex Smith, even going back to the middle and end part of his tenure in San Francisco, he knows how to win games. Convincingly, this was another case. Yeah, certainly. And uh, they did that. And perhaps... Looked the best out of all the NFC East teams. On now, granted, they played the easiest of all the teams. That helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, a team yeah. limited on defense, no real offensive line. Although I, I, I sided with you, I think the Cardinals missed an opportunity to put Rosen in at least for a series or two at the end. But oh, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, c'est la vie, you know. They'll learn eventually, I feel like. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying not to throw them out there, but Sam Bradford didn't look uh, very good at all. And Sam Bradford was... looked like Sam Bradford. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> I, I can't sugarcoat it. We saw this in St. Louis. We saw this a bit in Philadelphia. We saw this a bit in 
a little bit less of it in Minnesota. But again, this is what he is. <laughs> well, somebody that certainly played like we we expect them to play, Philip Rivers, had another tremendous stat line. He gave it his all, but it was not enough against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Uh, it's much more Tyreek Hill. This dude did it all. A 91-yard punt return to start the scoring. Then he got a slant that he took all the way uh, right after that, putting them up 14-3. Yeah. The, the 91-yard return, this is after you force a three and out. So this is the first time you or anybody else touches the ball the entire season. You go and you do that. That's insane. Yes. You're not you're not kidding. And it was it looked it looked great because Tyreek Hill, how fast he is. He also caught like a little shovel pass at the like one yard line from Mahomes as well to kind of cap off his day. So let's not uh, let's not totally overinflate what Mahomes did here. I know we have a friend who's who would certainly do that if he was on here right now. Uh, obviously, his past Anthony Sherman was a thing of beauty, but two of his touchdowns were freaking pitches. I mean. It, 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 it's not quite Mahomes' time. Like like the clock, it's a couple minutes away. You, you know, you got enough time to grab a snack or something, but you're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, and Tyreek Hill was so dominant that you could you barely ever heard Travis Kelsey's name in here. I think it's, I think the Chargers' defense just they didn't know what the heck to do with Tyreek Hill. No, who does? Uh, yeah. I mean, for everybody else, but when you got the guy, it's like, yeah, hey, and even then on one return, he even had the defender, even though it was a flag, mocking Tyreek Hill, flashing the peace sign. He was still coming and running after you anyways. <laughs> so, Warner, this is what – who else has a Tyreek Hill in this league? Nobody. So, Nobody. and and also the way Andy Reid uses them too. He just mm-hmm. he just comes up with some crazy plays that end up working. And uh, I think they made a big deal about the like shovel pass that Hill caught. Of oh man, that could be a play you can see a lot of teams try to do when they're at the one yard line. And I was like, who? Maybe the Cowboys with Tavon Austin and a couple of other teams. Like it's not going to be everybody. Yeah, you know the last team that really integrated shovel passes like that into their offense? Cleveland. Do you want to be Cleveland? <laughs> no. I don't think you do. Well, maybe, maybe not. this week's Cleveland wasn't too bad. but Well, yeah, this week, but again, how can I put this? Cleveland did better, but Cleveland is only Buffalo except less snow and you're farther from Canada. That's it. Wow. Uh, to be fair, I, the, 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 the Chargers had a lot of self-inflicted wounds here. Uh, they had a, 
a kick or a punt return that got muffed and the Chiefs recovered it. Um, they had a another kicker issue that he missed a kick that would have made the game only seven points and put the Chargers in a much better position to find, to really be able to go for it on a final drive if they were able to get it back on an onside kick. The the receivers were dropping passes. They dropped a few key passes that could have been the Travis Benjamin one was like that could have been a touchdown that he just dropped. As again, it's just receivers not helping him. That's why Rivers had to throw so many passes to the uh, to the running back to Eckler because he he couldn't trust his receivers until Keenan Allen finally started coming in and catching passes, but I think he's also missing Henry Henry a lot. But it's just, yeah, towards later in the game where he had to make those throws to Mike Williams with Tyra Williams. Tyra Williams dropped one that was like a surefire touchdown as well. He he wound up catching one at the end. But it's just like the Chargers, again, just hurting themselves. I feel like we say this every year, and every year it's the same. They hurt themselves more than – just as much as the other teams do. They hurt themselves. They have kicking issues. It's like, how many times are you going to beat yourself upside the head before you realize this is not a good idea? I guess you got to do it several times. I don't know. <laughs> and finally, before we get into the, the uh, hometown... Shout out the the hometown uh, anger or or celebration here for leaving you one of the better games of the the whole week that I should have mentioned while we talked about the Saints and Bucks was the Broncos and Seahawks. Case Keenum he threw three interceptions. Let's let's uh, put that out there. Uh, Russell Wilson also threw interceptions as well. Both of them had three TDs on the day. Uh, Von Miller had a fumble recovery. The Seahawks defense was absolutely making hell out of the Broncos offensive line. I, the, the Seattle tight end Dillisley came out of nowhere and was something all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> This had a little bit of everything. It was, it was just really fun to watch and so much going on. Like every time you thought, okay, this team has it figured out. Oh, just a touchdown. No big deal. And we're back to square one with them fighting. This was really fun to watch. Yeah. And I said all along, yeah, you're going to see Case Keenum somewhere in between Houston and Minnesota levels. This is exactly what you got. I made some great throws, but under pressure, I had like some shaky decisions. And with Russell Wilson, just like last year, if he's not doing it for you, that offense isn't doing much by themselves. And it doesn't have uh, Janikowski miss like two field goals. I wonder yeah. how much longer he has left. <laughs> uh. I would say maybe a few games while they find an audition other kickers, but there's going to be a bad way to see Seabass go out. Yeah. 
I mean, he also looks like he. I don't know if that's a muscle or he just ate too much or. No, he he's <laughs> looked like that for like the past five years. I I've seen him in Oakland that when they said he just like looks like he stole like for a Halloween costume. Yeah. Oh God. I'm like, oh, that's so sad, but it's so accurate. <laughs> Brandon oh. Marshall had a touchdown as well. Getting to, uh, he looked like he fit right in with that Seahawks offense. Uh, Doug Baldwin got hurt, so got to be kind of watching that. And Philip Lindsay is another one you might want to watch out for. He had a heck of a game uh, as well, kind of taking time away from Royce Freeman, which a lot of people thought would be the the guy to kind of look out for in the running game for the uh, Broncos. But I think overall, Case Keenum fits in with the Broncos. And I think they were wondering if they'd made the wrong decision after a while, but he, he kept them in it. The defense kept them in it as well. And sort of like what he was used to with the Vikings, he had a lot of opportunities. And he was able to make make it work when it counted. Yeah, he he really did. And especially for week one, that's about all that you can ask. But it's just another one of those to where it'll still be very, very messy when it happens. So what do you think about the Earl Thomas thing? The Cowboys went up and tried to give him a second round pick. They said no. He comes in this game. He actually makes he makes a play, gets an interception, plays well. He said he was coming back for the boys, for the you know, his his friends, his teammates, all that. There's the thought going around that maybe they were waiting until after the Cowboys played the Seahawks and then dealt him. Do you think that this could still happen for the Seahawks or is that dead? Also, I mean, throwing, I, 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 yeah. I honestly think it can still happen, especially if those are the reasons that he's giving, because this isn't the Legion of Boom. You don't have that same camaraderie there that you used to, because a lot of those guys are gone and off to different teams. Well, remember, he's from Texas and he went to Jerry trying to get the Cowboys to go after him. So, yeah, and I honestly think after seeing this, he'll go ahead and try again. I mean, it's going to take a few weeks to like get that feeling out process, but if things don't keep going this way, if he keeps getting sick of Pete Carroll, he's going to want out. Yeah, I don't blame uh, John Snyder at all for trying to keep him as much as you can or it's really wanting the most out of him wanting a first round pick or something if if teams aren't going to give you what you want then force his hand and make him play he did he played decently enough and we'll see once that Cowboys game happens whatever happens in that game and whatever happens in the future I think also speaking on going ahead into that game the way the Cowboys looked against Carolina was awful and it wasn't the defense's fault. The defense played very well uh, for the most part. Holding Carolina to 16 points is no joke. Nope. Uh, they forced a fumble early on for Christian McCaffrey that could have opened the game wide open. And 
still, I mean, Randy Gregory and DeMarcus Sorens were giving that Carolina offensive line fits. And then you have the, you know, Sean Lee played pretty well. The, you know, the defenders. Uh, the, he could only really throw it to Jarius Wright for most of the game. For most of the mm-hmm. game. And uh, until it kind of opened up in the second half and he was able to, it helped a lot, I think, too, that Greg Olson got hurt again because he was kind of being a pest for that Cowboys defense to deal with. The problem is the offense looks so bad. Like, well, yeah, what? No linemen. Your best linemen are out. Well, one. You're, well, you're still shouldering things even more around Ezekiel Elliott, so defense is planned that way. Receiving core mediocre. This is what you get. Yeah, I also. There's there's no one on that uh, the receivers that scare you, and then Dak just seems lost. Like he he was running for his life. He got sacked six times. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can say to that. But even when he had time, it seemed like he didn't really know where he wanted to put the ball. I think the receivers weren't doing the greatest job to get open either. It's just. It was a a whole mess. That offense is a mess, and they've got to figure that out. Obviously, the Carolina and all the teams are going to do this. They're all going to try to force Dak to beat them. And I wonder, you're sitting there watching Cam Newton run at the Cowboys' defense and doing it successfully. Why can't Dak do that? Why can't you have Dak run more? I know you're scared about mm-hmm. uh, if he gets hurt, you don't have a quarterback. Well, that's your fault. And you deal yeah, with that when the time comes, but you need to put – go ahead, what? No, I was going to say you go get a quarterback. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to put your team in the best position to win. And if that means letting Dak loose and running – like, there was a few times, like on that last drive, where he throws the ball at the guy's feet. That's typically what Dak does anyway, but – Mm-hmm. Like he could have just ran and got the first down. Like that's the the only time that the offense felt like the offense was in that last the last couple drives where they're just having to go and he's not having to like think about it so much and and I don't know I don't know if it's like they made it too complex for him or it's just. Obviously, it is a combination of not having the line, so you can't run around and and do all that. But yeah, it's just, the offense looks so bad, and they were only in this that close to where all they needed was a touchdown, a two point conversion because of the defense. And yeah. the defense got tired towards the end too. So you know, I, I'm happy for the defense to go out there and play a lot better than I think a lot of people expected, but. That, that offense got to figure it out. Like, just got to figure it out. And it's going to be quite a while before the offense really can figure it out because there's only so much that they have to work with. Yeah, I mean, you got a dis- divisional opponent on Sunday night next week. Um, typically, the Cowboys have done decently well against Odell. Uh, the thing is, Eli usually plays pretty well in Cowboy Stadium, so 
or AT&T Stadium, sorry. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Giants defense has done pretty well against the Cowboys, so it should be at least an interesting game as far as strategy goes for, for them. But speaking of the Giants, they're 0-1 because the Jags went mm-hmm. out and beat them 20-15. to I thought the Jags played as well as you you could expect Fournette got hurt, so that's that's well, something you got to be worried about, yeah. Eric. I am worried about Fournette because you lose that tandem with TJ Yeldon, but kudos to Yeldon for really stepping up in Fournette's absence. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that we really got burned on that one deep touchdown pass, but Miles Jack working alongside in that front seven, his interception return for a touchdown made up for it when we were really struggling to try to close out the game. And I'm obviously not disappointed because we won, but I'm a little bit worried because now, even with the Giants defense being what it is, the Jaguars are officially exposed. Yeah, and they actually have done a good job of keeping uh, Saquon Barkley under wraps until that big 68-yard run. That was a bit painful to watch. I mean, that that was a beautiful run for your first touchdown. Got to get... Oh, yeah. Kudos, but it's like you couldn't have done that next week. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't couldn't have waited in a little bit longer, you know, get your feet wet first. <laughs> yeah, I still feel like you 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 said it they got exposed. I feel like they got exposed a bit on offense as well with yeah. Blake Bortles just you know, looking like Blake Bortles like <laughs> I guess. He he didn't look too good in this game at all. Again, like Jalen Ramsey said when he talked about Blake Bortles, playoff Blake is good. Regular season, Blake, it's like, we need someone else. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to have to deal with it. You paid him, so. Oh, don't remind me. We we have not had a good recent history with uh, paying quarterbacks. Why do you think we kept Chad Henney so long? And you have a date with the Patriots next week. So... Yeah. Yeah. I I might I there's an angle to where I could get tickets to that one and if I do hey great but I'm not gonna sit there and be sober. How do you think the uh, Tom Coughlin feels right now? Getting to walk in that stadium, watch the Jags get the big win. I I, I would think if I were him after that game, I would have uh, flashed my Super Bowl rings done a salute and walked away he's like yeah y'all have fun bye (laughs) yeah certainly i feel like the jags uh, got off to how you expect them to they're still the saxophone jags blake bortles is who he is they're gonna run the same script as last year and yeah gotta hope it gets them just as far I think once you get past the Patriots, though, you got a nice schedule for a little bit. So, yeah, let's, it, let's see. 
If we could get past the Patriots and not be humiliated even in a loss... I don't think they will. I think they're going to play them well. Uh, Hey, whenever you were that close to getting... Yeah, you choked it away, but you were that close to getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that close to getting a Super Bowl. And I have even seen the infamous Chad Henney play the Patriots to a 23-16 loss in this very stadium here. I concur, but it's like... I'm lowering expectations. If we go ahead and at least play them tough, great. But if we go and get the doors blown off, I would not be surprised. Well, I think that's sort of that covers everything from uh, this week. As far as uh, I don't, I don't want to even talk about that Thursday game. It was bad. Is bad. So. Yeah, it was it was just about exactly like what happened in the playoffs. And Julio Jones balled out, but that was about really the only pos the only positive thing. Uh, other than uh, you know me being a Jay owner in two leagues, and he came up big when I thought, oh man, he's gonna do nothing. But honestly, it's I'm I'm looking forward to looking ahead to Monday. Exciting to get to see Sam Darnold debut and how the Lions are going to do against them. And are the Rams going to just absolutely whoop the Raiders? Hopefully that's the case so I can go to bed early. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I'm sure the Raiders fans uh, want to see some positive things. But I, I just can't imagine it right now. Just, they have to be shaking their heads after what Khalil Mack did on the Sunday night game and go, God, why did we do this trade again? why so yeah it should be a uh, we'll discuss it I don't know we might do sort of a news show on Tuesday and as well as talk about the Monday games I don't know yet because we also have a soccer show to do on Tuesday because of the second US Men's National Team game against Mexico so again don't know if that will be a thing, maybe we'll skip this week and start doing it next week, or we don't do it at all. I don't know. We uh, That's something that I sort of came up with before we started the show. But definitely, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, sorry about the not having a show last Thursday. That game went way longer than it should have because of the rain delay. Both of us working the next day kind of just passed out. So, <laughs> But... Uh, Yes, if those games end on a regular time frame, uh, then we we should be good. But yes, if you heard what you if you like what you heard, mix up my words here as we get to the end. You can hit subscribe to Football to the Max. You get anytime we do a show, it shows up in your queue to be downloaded or for you to just stream right there. We're on every podcatcher possible avail you know that's out there. iHeartRadio. Spotify, uh, Spreaker is our host, but we're out there on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. All those places that you listen to podcasts on, we're there. If we're not on something that you like, let us know. I'll do my best to get us on there. We're on YouTube as well if you want to leave a comment there. On uh, Last Word on Pro Football, on WTNet.com, of course. And uh, go check out that College Top 25. We do a lot of work to put that together, and 
We'll see you Thursday. Check out Eric on the kickoff as well on Wednesday. And later, everybody. Peace.